And one of the things we were thinking of is all of those pieces around mental health um, that that we see play out in our schools and addictions and mental health being a part of that. And I think for me, that's one of the frustrations of working in a system is processes, system processes, and you hold office hours between eight and four. And if there's something that's happening at a school, you need to make sure you can get to those agencies, you can get into that phone before four o'clock or you're not getting a hold of anybody till the following morning. Um, and from what, what I had heard about our collective journey is that that support was in real time. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. All right, uh, Damian Davis here uh, with Our Collective Journey with another From Darkness to Life podcast. It's actually uh, a special release podcast. Um, It's the Recovery Coach School Program podcast where we're going to introduce some uh, special people within School District 76 who are collaborating, who we are collaborating with to bring, you know, recovery coaching into uh, the schools in Medicine Hat. But first, uh, from the Plugged In Media Network, we have to thank our title sponsor, Nicole Davis, my amazing sister-in-law, who uh, sponsored uh, the From Darkness to Life podcasts for season three. You can get a hold of Nicole at www.nicoledavisrealestate.com. Uh, it's Nicole with an H. And then if you need to catch up to her on Instagram, you can get a hold of Nicole at Nicole Davis Realtor on Instagram. So if you're looking to buy or sell a house, uh, talk to my sister-in-law. I think my brother and her will be very grateful. Uh, so without further ado, uh, I'm going to introduce each of our guests, or I'm going to have them introduce themselves. And, you know, typically on the uh, From Darkness to Life podcasts, we ask our guests how they're doing. And instead of the stock responses that I think we as human beings give of fine or, or good, you know, um, one of our missions here at our collective journey is to have people just give their authentic responses to, to how we're doing and create that, uh, open and honest dialogue between, uh, one another. So Miss Tracy, how are you doing? Well, if I'm going to be really honest, I'm sitting here a little nervous, um, but I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. Um, I'm Tracy Hensel. I am um, Associate Superintendent for Student Services for the Menasat Public School Division. So I'm thankful to be here with my friend over here. <laughs> Ms. Claire, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Nervous, the same as Tracy. I'm getting used to, you know, hearing my own voice in my head here. Um, but love any opportunity to talk about mental health within our community. So I think this is really exciting. I'm the Director of Psychology Services for Medicine Hat Public School Division and have been a registered psychologist um, in our community for a number of years. So looking forward to our conversation today. Amazing. Huh. And Tara. Tara, Tara Schneider-Pachette, Program Manager for our Collective Journey. Uh, I'm doing great today, but a little nervous sitting in front of people who I would have seen as authority figures when I was a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as much as they're nervous, it makes me kind of nervous too. Well, it's, I don't know, I think you sit down at this table and you put on some headphones and there's four microphones and it's not an environment that I was used to, you know, two and a half years ago when Rick Ryan and I sat down in here and... You know, I think I've heard, you know, you hear your own voice through these headphones. It's a little, uh, it's a little different, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and like Dave, you know, uh, 
just mentioned, uh, it's just a conversation, right? We're, uh, the goal of today is to kind of give some information on, you know, how this collaboration came to be, uh, what the vision of the collaboration is, and then how we're going to move forward in getting the recovery coaches into the schools and supporting the students uh, within, I think I've been saying it correctly, school district 76. Yep. Yeah. You said public school. Oh, did I say public? Yeah, okay. I yeah, well, <laughs> we, we are sometimes Medicine at public school division, Medicine at school division. Yeah. Same thing. What I've come to see or learn in just my initial dealings with the school district is there's a lot of acronyms there we have we <laughs> yes. like our acronyms there are a ton of them so i'm going to try not to use them today okay i'm yeah. going to try to spell everything out yeah perfect yeah. education is huge on, on and then acronyms yeah if you system, guys could but... email us a list of all those acronyms <laughs> so we can be on top of those I, th I think when we were at pathways last week uh Warren Buckler was like, there's acronyms for acronyms. There yeah. Is. yeah, there is. Yeah. Like, and we've got like our legal name, which would mm -hmm. have our number in it. And then we've got our street name. Yeah. You know, yeah. public school division is MHPSD. Is, yeah. Tends to be what we go by these days. I, I come from oil and gas and we're acronym heavy as well. So yeah. I, yeah. I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I guess let's just start with like, how, how did this collaboration come to be from, you know, school district 76 perspective? Well, it, it's been a journey. Um, and so what what happened, which, which would have started things off, was last summer we would have received informa information from Alberta Education um, that there was going to be an application process for a mental health grant. So a mental health um, pilot project. And then in our office we sat down and we started to brainstorm what could potentially that pilot project look like. Then we received... The, the grant parameters, and we read through the grant parameters. We already had a pretty good idea of where we wanted to go with a mental health project. And one of the things we were thinking of is all of those pieces around mental health um, that, that we see play out in our schools and addictions and mental health being a part of that. And we, we've had, um, we, we continue to have uh, partnerships with Alberta Health and other organizations, uh, McMahon, um, CMHC, all, like all of those organizations. But what could be different? What could be unique? And what is, what is it that our, our student, our staff, our students, our families are potentially needing? And then um, knowing about the work that our collective journey was doing at the time, and just hearing bits, just hearing bits and pieces of, of what was happening. It sounded, it sounded really great. It sounded like it was um, supports in real time. And I think for me, that's one of the frustrations of working in a system is processes, system processes. And you hold office hours between 8 and 4. And if there's something that's happening at a school, you need to make sure you can get to those agencies, you can get into that phone before 4 o'clock or you're not getting a hold of anybody till the following morning. Um, and from what, what I had heard about our collective journey and how, what those supports, and I think I, I, and I was listening to the podcast and I think learning a lot through those, is that that support was in real time. Um, also was um, involved back in 2020 during the um, uh, the suicides that we had here in Medicine Hat and sitting at some of those government tables and listening to um, people around the tra table trying to brainstorm as, you know, what, what can we do, what, what can we do for our community. It wasn't really an education thing, but it was an education thing because it was impacting 
um, kids and families. And, and so that's kind of, I, I would say 2020 is where I started to, to really think about what those supports did. And then is you go, you fast forward to when this grant application came out in 2022, we, we wanted to do something different and we wanted to um, try something unique. And, and I think that'd be fair, Claire, to say that's where we started. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, uh, we, we've got great system supports in place and I, and I think we do a great job of um, making sure we've got connections and supports in place for kids and families. But this was an opportunity to do something unique. And I think that was a really important component of the mental health um, pilot project, you know, application was find a, a unique or innovative partner to work with. And so I think this gave us an opportunity to look at this issue differently and say, you know, what, where could we push in? What could we do that would support our, our staff, our students, our families differently, get at this from a different angle? Because ultimately our goal, I think, within our division is to create healthy families and healthy community to raise our kids in, right? We're wanting partnership with families and community so that we can raise these kids together. Um, and so this was a really cool opportunity to do that differently than we had done in the past. I was imagining as we were writing some of the proposal, um, the power of having real people with lived experience sitting, listening to our some of our middle school and high school kids and being that connection person for them. And then knowing we still need, um, we need therapy and we need um, our partnerships with Alberta Health and all these other things still need to exist. But what could that look like? Um, in our schools, if if we could connect kids um, to people that knew what they were talking about and and that had those experiences and um, could have those conversations and be able to support families, and then my my dream would be that obviously that the the kids would come home and be talking about um, the supports and the resources, and families might get interested in um, what that looks like and sounds like, and it, it would be a way to engage our community. Um, at, at a different level. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's basically like why or how we got started was we were targeting a specific demographic of people in hopes that they would, you know, hear a message and, and decide to enroll themselves in what we were doing and maybe look at recovery as an option right. in, or, or I guess mid 2020. And what we found very quickly was kind of something similar where it was you know, let's just share our story, share our experience, you know, all of the things that we had went through to get to a point where we're comfortable with just being our authentic selves and then empowering, you know, the next person that we're supporting and being their authentic self. And it's kind of, Rick always talks about like this upside down pyramid scheme where you're yeah. the person at the bottom is the one looking for help and everybody above is just filtering down their experience to support that person and in leveling up, so to speak. And, you know, we thought that was a unique concept, but then we went to a conference last year and this profound doctor, David Best, he's like, we well, can call it the upside down or the ice cream cone kind of <laughs> philosophy. And we're like, oh man, geez, we're, we're not that smart. And, and it is, it's about community change. It's about, you know, us just being there as our authentic selves and having the students see value. And then, then when they buy in and they're engaged in it and they're helping one another and their families and, you know. And it's just that ripple effect, right? Like it's just, I've been in education a long time. And I think um, just seeing, just seeing how difficult that is for some of our students um, to reach out, to, to go there. Um, and then that, 
stigma around mental health and and trying to eliminate you know that uh, that, that it's okay not to be okay and that um, we have mental health supports in our schools um, and and I think for me I just a real passion in having those kids be able to to talk to real people who can who have a role to play in getting them to the supports and resources that they need. And I, and when I reached out to Rick, I, I loved how he talked about what recovery coaches are and what they aren't. And was, it was very clear. It was, it was very clear that they are, you know, they are, I would say like a connection or a pathway or a, um, but um, even Tara, when we talked and um, we talked about Smoker's Corner yeah. And, and, you know, hey, that's a great place to um, hang out and have real conversations. Yeah. Right? Bathrooms are another mm-hmm. great place. Yeah. Right? Especially girls. Girls love bathrooms for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and they, we all take our friends. And they travel in packs. Yeah. 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 And I would see, I would have seen in my career the, um, the student need, students needing that support younger and younger. Oh. Um, and so... Uh, we we kind of targeted our middle schools and our high schools, and we were looking um, at our collective journey in this piece. And then how do we? Because we always talk about pyramids, Damien. Like we're always about the the continuum of supports, the pyramids, and then where do we put our supports? Um, universal supports available to everybody. Um, everybody can access them. Um, so I'm excited to see where this journey will take us. Um, and I think. You know, kids are are a window sort of into the the greater community as well, right? And and we have kids in our buildings for so many hours in a day that we have a lot of time to to impact change for them and to get really important messaging to them. And so I think this is a great way, um, you know, for that extension piece of who we've maybe reached in the past and who can we reach now and where does that trickle to. You know, how do we have greater impact in our community um, by getting at, at these these kiddos as they're they're forming their own identities and their own thoughts and um, living in various circumstances and trying to understand their own upbringing in their own home and things that are being offered or presented to them. I think this is a really cool opportunity to get, you know, real life information to them in a really timely way so that we impact who they become as adults and how they go out into the world and and deal with things that come their way. And, and on a consistent basis where yeah. the coaches that'll be coming into the schools will be consistently visible as opposed to, you know, a one and done type, here's a presentation, you know, yeah. then the teachers and the staff are left holding the bag with whatever the outcome right. of that yeah. presentation yep. is. We want to be that consistent presence that is there, you know, yeah. during school hours and if needed, you know, outside of school hours. And I think, Oh, no, I was going to say that's what's so exciting yeah. is that, that that consistent presence in the school we talked about, you know, knowing when you have a recovery coach in the school that's available to talk to. And you know what? Outside of school hours too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that because we we know that nothing nothing ends at 3.30 when the bell rings. It usually lots more happens after 3.30 when the bell rings. And, mm-hmm. and so having that regular connection person was an exciting part of the project when we reached out um, to our collective journey, what could this possibly look like? Like we yeah. were trying to wrap our heads around how, what does this support, what does the support look like? How do, how does it impact students? And then how can we help staff to understand? Because if we can start with our staff 
and help our staff to understand and then that they can help our students to understand as well. So, And that's oh, something that's really exciting to us or something that we found along the way was just the education piece on what recovery actually looks like and yeah. what alcoholism or addiction or what mental health struggles can look like or what they are, mm. you know, from a firsthand perspective. And what I found very interesting in like the presentations we've done for like the faculty and for the staff is that their understanding of what addiction is, is a little bit different than what it is for me as a recovered alcoholic and addict. And just to be able to change that narrative a little bit and have people see it from a different lens and be like, huh, drugs and alcohol weren't your problem. They were your solution, mm -hmm. your solution mm -hmm. to this, this thing that's happening inside my mind. And then I think Tracy, you said it, it's like, uh, something about naming it like that feeling. And, and I've heard multiple times, mm -hmm. even in the last week where I'm talking to adults that are like, I just don't know what I'm feeling. And I never had that experience in life. It was like, yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't know somebody was going to you know beat it into me or yell at me until I you yeah. know became angry. And then there's an emotion and yeah. that became my, my, uh, that became my go-to to keep people at bay. It was anger or, you know, yeah. uh, until I found booze and then it was like self-deprecation and I was the funny guy in the life of the party and, yeah. and not realizing like I was suffering from the disease of alcoholism, right? Mm -hmm. It just hadn't manifested to the point where my life became very, very dark. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that education piece yeah. I think is huge. Yeah, I think the reframing of it and providing a different perspective than maybe what we've heard before. Um, I think PD that we've had in the past is probably fairly clinical in approach, right? Um, and you can learn some facts and you can learn, you know, what happens as a result of addiction. But I think to hear firsthand from someone who's who's lived that life um, forces um, us to think differently about it, right? Who, who does this occur to? Where does it happen? Um, what does it really look like within a family? Um, and I, I think that's beneficial for our staff to hear because it allows them to reframe um, for students that they might have in their classroom where they might believe that that is something their family is struggling with. Um, or maybe they know that for sure. But I think it gives us a much better understanding um, of what what that experience looks like. And I think just to go back to your comment on like the one and done is something we've been working on a lot, um, especially since the pandemic, um, just really reframing how we provide supports and being really intentional that social, emotional learning, mental health supports need to be a daily component um, in what we do in schools. And I think that's a move away from, you know, a drop-in presentation, um, you know, teachers present, but somebody who's, you know, an expert comes in and, and explains something and then they're gone and teachers not necessarily left with enough information or skills to carry that conversation forward because it's not their area of expertise. And we can say, check, we've done that. We've talked about feelings. We've talked about addiction. We've talked about mental health. And so during the pandemic, that became a real focus for us is we need to focus more on correct connection than curriculum at the start, right? As we were trying to get kids going and virtual learning and um, trying to deal with all of those, those pandemic pieces is how do we use this as a, an opportunity to push in on social emotional learning, to have that be happening in our classrooms all the time, to be talking about these things and reducing the stigma by making it really accessible to all kids and that there would be, you know, teams of people. And I, I would see you guys as team members. Now we're going to have extra extra team members in our schools that are available to kids no matter what they might need. And I think that's really exciting. 
to move away from that one and done kind of mentality. And, and when I think about it, and I really had to reframe how I showed up in the world once I became a father. So I have a, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And I didn't realize how much I was leading people in spite of not even realizing what I was doing until, you know, I say a cuss word and then my two-year-old says the same mm. word, right? And what I've learned in recovery is I'm being a leader for others, right? So as I show up, as you guys know me, this is who I am. I have good days and I have bad days. And for me, that's okay because that was never an option when I was younger. It was just, you know, everything's good. You know, mm -hmm. everything is good. I pushed everything away. Mm. I tried to play peacekeeper in my home just so, you know, life was manageable, trying to protect my two younger brothers, right? And what I've learned is, you know, how I show up as a warrior for the betterment of society is modeling to the youth, whether it's young men or young women, that I can still be powerful, but I can also be vulnerable. I can still have good days and bad days. It's okay not to be okay, but I can get unstuck, you Absolutely. know? Sometimes I need other supports and I've, I've learned and it's still difficult for me to reach out and ask for help because I'm, it's ingrained in my programming. Like you have to do this on your own. You have to do this on your own. If you don't, you're weak. And if you're weak, you're worthless. But then mm -hmm. I have to remember, you know, when I do reach out and I'm vulnerable, that I'm powerful mm -hmm. and that I'm worthy. Right. And we get to model that, you know? And we're so, I mean, I feel so blessed to have worked in the field of education for as long as I have, because that's, probably what I love the most as a classroom teacher and being able to to be authentic and to model when I needed to apologize I needed to apologize and and modeling it for kids and and yeah because we all make mistakes and we all um and, it, and that's part of the work that just get that's part of the work that really gets me excited about um uh, the work that we get to do in the, the school division and think about the supports and try to think outside of the box because it is that real life connection that kids need to see and and that they the more people they the more positive connections that they can have the better they will be because we don't know when they're going to reach out we don't know when they're going to need some of that support mm -hmm. and so we have amazing staff working in our schools but they're not going to work for every kid they're not going to connect with every kid every kid's going to have their own story and we need to be we need to be there we need to be able to point them in the right direction put the supports in place because if they're not if they're not healthy they're not learning you know like learning is is, is going to be more difficult for them and and then I think I think in my role too I I really feel for families for families that um are trying to support um their kids and and we went through a really tough time for a couple of years where the world was turned upside down and you had um, nobody on the streets, nobody, in, you know, the families just kind of hunkered down and in, in their homes and um, teachers had to teach online and everything shifted so quickly. And, and mm -hmm. I saw so many kids that were just really disconnected, so many, so many families that didn't have supports that they would have once had coming into their home because that couldn't happen. Um, and so for me, when we were, when we were brainstorming through this whole mental health um, grant proposal, dreaming about um, about our collective journey and and potentially what that could do for a community was pretty powerful. That was pretty powerful because um, we we could we could have a discussion together 
And we could decide to go left or right. We could decide to, it's kind of whatever needs to happen. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about going in and working with the kids. And I have four myself, but three are young adults now. But I still have a son in high school. And seeing how the pandemic happened to him, Mm. he like literally isolated himself. Now he doesn't like going to school. He hates it. Mm -hmm. He wants to go back to online And I'm like, no, you need that social aspect in your life. Um, learn to communicate. This is how we learn to talk and not have that social anxiety and stuff. And that anxiety worries me because because I think it's so prevalent right now. We would hear mm-hmm. it. And then, and as you said, Damien, like you, so that social anxiety, how you get around it is through drugs and alcohol potentially mm-hmm. or other ways of managing that, that aren't, the, the way that it needs to be managed. Yeah. And so, and just being real, just being real about it. And I think we know that disconnection is a, is a breeding ground for mental health difficulties, for addiction. Um, and so off being able to offer those authentic connections is huge. And, and having connections, whether that's virtually in school or in person in school, connectedness and community is such an important buffer for mental health and addiction. Uh, and it's it builds resilience in our kids and in our families. And so having having more people to be able to offer that connection. And I think a really authentic connection is really important. And your stories are powerful. And the connections that I think you'll make with students and families, I think will have more power than even even you realize yet to have that that mentorship role. And I think it's your ability to be really vulnerable and honest um, that will have people seeking you out. And, and it is, it's through, I, I can only speak of my experience, but what I'm, you know, I'm a fully tattooed, you know, bearded man. And I think of myself as like a powerful person, but when I show up and I'm, I am authentic and vulnerable, that gives permission to somebody else in that room mm-hmm. to also feel that way. And then in turn, you know, when they have the courage, they can, you know, tell their story. And, and again, it's, you know, that pyramid thing where enough of us do that and the community changes. Right. And, you know, my utopian view is as we're in the schools and we're, we're making these connections and the students, you know, are, are buying in. And I think you said it clear disconnection. Mm-hmm. My 36 years of life up to getting sober, I thought I was connected. Right. But I was disconnected from the universe. I lived for me, you know, I had tons of friends. I was, you know, the life of the party. I had tons of success in life, but I was disconnected from what humans are supposed to have, which is that connection to one another. One where I don't have to step on your throat to get ahead. I can actually help you up. And in turn, I'm rewarded, right? Interdependence. It is. And, and, you know, that's how I see this going in our community where we're modeling that we're showing that we're teaching these universal life skills that were never taught to me in school. Mm-hmm. You know, it was reading, mm-hmm. writing and arithmetic. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I needed most was how to be selfless, you know, mm-hmm. how to, how to see my fellow student, my fellow human being as just an equal and then mm-hmm. support them in their dreams and their visions. And, and then, you know, making sure that they, uh, they know that they matter, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, which when we do that in the schools and the students are all bought in and they're, helping one another we systemically change how the culture of medicine had is yeah well and i think with with youth and our culture we often focus so much on independence Mm -hmm. you know as and as parents i think Mm -hmm. of this as a Mm -hmm. a parent myself of a 12 year old and an eight-year-old you're trying to make your kids independent so they can go out in the world on their own but really 
really we should be focusing on interdependence. We survive as a group. We survive by relying on relationships with each other, by, you know, sort of filling each other's bucket and by being able to do things for others and have things done for you. And there's a vulnerability in that. And so I think even just by having the conversations and putting those things on the table as safe things to talk about, we're saying it's okay. Like Tracy said, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to need somebody else to need support. And that our goal isn't to create a generation of youth that are so independent they don't need anyone because I think a byproduct of that is I can't ask for help. I can't reach out to anyone because I'm supposed to be able to do this on my own. We can't, none of us can do this on our own. Yeah, 100%. And it's uh, it's when we see that life skill being utilized by somebody that looks like you, talks like you, then you now Mm -hmm. have an internal permission to say, okay, I can do that. And I think what you touched on, Claire, like the things that we, aren't is you know we're we're not professional counselors we're not professional clinicians we're not therapists but what we are is those system navigators that can build a relationship with a student so that a student or or anybody is comfortable enough to come talk to us and then we will help them get to Mm -hmm. the right professional that you know that can help them with Mm -hmm. their you know needs right i I, like that to me is what's so exciting Mm -hmm. and when even when i joined um uh, was invited to the recovery coach conference that we had here in Medicine Hat and, and got to sit there. Um, it was two powerful days. I got to sit and listen to people's stories and um, just look around the room and see all the different community members that were there, um, how they were all connected. Um, it, that was a really great experience for me and really helped helped me kind of further see the possibilities um, in a school division because that you are so right that interdependence is critically important because because independent people on their own um, they they need to have other people to reach out to and to work with and well I'm better because I get to work with really great people in my office right and we can bounce ideas off of each other and um, come up with things um, that are better than what I would have just thought thought mm-hmm. on my own so I think that that's that's a really important part is is the more people we can add in our village to help us raise our 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 children and our help our families the better off we are mm-hmm. and then and if we can help in any way i mean i was pretty excited to be able to put this project proposal forward it was um it left me feeling really really energized at the end of the just before school starting um we had a plan we had to um submit it to, um, you know, and then, and then basically we received our funds that we asked for because we had, um, really spelled out what, and it was simple. It It is actually really simple. It is, is looking at uh, your community and, and like Claire said earlier, what is that, what are you, un, what's unique to your community in Madison Hat and organizations that exist because there was a community need and, and then what are the pieces that we in education can put together to, to, to think more about. So our um, doing lots of work around 2SLGBTQ plus um, and mental health supports, um, you know, thinking about like toxic masculinity and, and how you, you know, you, by, by people showing that they, they can be vulnerable and that that's okay, uh, that excites me and that yeah. kids get to see that, boys get to see that. Yeah, it's, uh, at the end of the day, you know, I think, I want to change the world, right? But it's going to start right here with what we're doing. I mm-hmm. think, you know, Claire mentioned it, this pilot program 
is unique. It's something that's never been done. Um, we're the first to undertake it. And I think if you guys are like me, I, I, I think linearly, like I, I know where we're starting. I know what I want to accomplish and it's always a straight line, but in reality, it's going to look very unique. Right. And what I see is the students are really going to give us feedback in what is going to work for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I think more now than ever, they, they need a voice, mm -hmm. you know, and they mm -hmm. want to be heard and we want to hear them and then collaborate with them to come up with solution within our community. Right. And ultimately it's just that next generation of breaking the cycle and the stigma of what being, you know, a powerful leader looks like and what's possible. And for me, again, I take it back to my kids. Hopefully when they get to the point where they're in your schools, um, they'll say to me, you know, what do you mean, dad, you couldn't cry? What do you mean? Mm -hmm. It wasn't acceptable to be vulnerable and to be open. You know, that's, that's yeah. how we, that's how we grow up. It's similar to yeah. when seatbelts we first came a lot, right? Exactly. Yeah. You, know? and yeah. you fight it tooth and nail. And then all of a sudden now my kids are like, dad, put your seatbelt on. Yeah. You know, I want to live in that world mm -hmm. where I was on the, the tip of the spear that, you know, broke the mold and mm -hmm. broke the cycle for, for the next generation. Well, I think visibility plays a huge role in that. So when, when kids and families are able to see or talk to someone who has a similar experience to them and, and see you on the other side of that, see you in, in recovery, see you using that power in a different way, they can envision that for themselves, right? And if, they're, if they don't see that in their community and nobody talks about it, nobody is brave enough or vulnerable enough to talk about moving through the hard stuff to get to the other side, then I don't. I don't know how they imagine how they would get there. Right. Yeah. And so I think visibility is huge. And then having somebody there to walk with you. Yeah. You right. know, because I think from a lot of my life, I thought I had to do everything alone. I couldn't, yeah. you know, again, no. like you, we've said, reach out for help or yeah. I didn't deserve support. Right. You know, I had to figure it out, but walking with somebody else makes it a lot less scary. Right. Yeah. And, and what we do at OCJ is, listen to what you want and then maybe have you avoid some of the pitfalls that we took to get to where we were or are and then have you get to the right person first so mm -hmm. that you have yeah. the best mm -hmm. chance yeah. of having a good experience as opposed to you know three or four different experiences that yeah. sour you and you're like you know what forget it i'm done yeah that that i hear so much like i i listen to families and i hear them tell their story and i know they've told it for the 10th time and they're tired of telling it and they're tired of judgment. They're tired mm -hmm. of um, feeling judged. And, mm -hmm. and I think that for me would, is really important that, that we're all going through this life the best way we know how. Mm -hmm. And, and so how can we, how do we support each other? How do we support our families without judging them? I don't walk in their shoes. I, I don't know what the challenges are, um, but I'm, I would like to be seen as somebody who would be there to um, help them to find their way, help them to get to what they need to get to. I, I, I would kind, I would see that as a little bit about what my role is. That that's what excites me about my role is that um, families, ex all different kinds of families exist, and it is not my place to judge them. It is my place to support them and get them mm. to where they, they, you know, what's the next step in your journey. Um, to get you there. I, I, I see that as, that is our role um, in education, although, although I know that there are probably a lot of families that do feel judged and, and that's, that's not okay. That, yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. The, the education piece, the stigma piece, the, mm -hmm. you know, you have, 
if you're an addict or an alcoholic, you're destitute and you have lost everything, which is not my story, not Tara's story, not the recovery coaches that are coming into the school story for the most part either. It's uh, It has nothing to do with how much or how often you drink or use. It has everything to do with what happens when you're not using mm-hmm, and drinking. Yeah. And, and we get to be that example of what the other side looks like. Mm-hmm. We, we focus a lot on the recovery piece. Like, right. Where are you going? How can we help you get to where you're going and then support your dreams and your yeah. goals and your vision? Because when I grew up, I, I had goals, I had dreams. And those were kind of always pushed to the wayside. I was like, no, oil and gas is your thing. Oil yeah. and gas is your thing. And uh, I, uh, we get to be those, those people that believe in you. And I use this in work all the time, but I see people greater than they see themselves, right? I see your potential and I'm going to support you in getting to where you want to go because you deserve that, uh, that yeah, mentor yeah, or that yeah. person in your yeah. life that, that believes in you. And I think that walking alongside piece is, is really crucial because we have, we've got some great supports in our community. And I think our corner of the province is, is unique in that, you know, we're a small city. We don't have the resources Calgary has. We don't have the resources that Edmonton have, um, but we have great people here, but our systems are still complex. Even in a small community, we hear that from our families all the time. It is complex to navigate the systems and the agencies within our city. And within each of those agencies are wonderful, amazing mm-hmm. people that we connect with regularly. And we rely almost solely on our relationships with people in the organizations to help move our families through them because we know there's barriers to, to getting in and we know there's wait lists and we know that there's different mandates on who people can support and who they can't. And that itself could be a full-time job, just helping navigate through the different systems. And so, you know, it's easy to give a list of, of places you could go. Here's some things you might want to think about for your family. We're just going to focus on on teaching your kids over here. Here's all the things you should do on the side. Uh, but those those systems are too challenging to navigate on your own. And so we've got, you know, our family school liaison worker team in our schools helping do a lot of that navigation. Um, and then, you know, bringing in outside supports and making partnerships, I think, you know, with groups like OCJ, I think take that to the next level. We're just creating more people who can help walk alongside. Let me help you get to that appointment. Let me introduce you to my friend down at mental health. Um, let's get you connected to to real people because I think that's more sustainable from a support perspective than giving a list of places you might want to go. Well, I remember coming into my role as associate superintendent and um, realizing all the people, all the agencies, all of the things that existed and being overwhelmed thinking oh my goodness like so for me it was like making a list relying on my friend Claire over here who would we put this person in contact with because you've you have really great people out there in agencies and and then what happens and what I found over time is that I'm I make um uh like I I under I help to um I help to navigate to get people there, but I use specific people within those organizations that I've made connections with. So I've made a connection with Tara, for instance, and I know in my head Tara is a straight shooter, and if I get that family to her, she can get them what they need right away. So so you tend to rely on your relationships between organizations because there's some great people in our community to do that, but that's complicated for families. Yeah, um, absolutely. I get that. Um, even me moving when I first moved here, um, and with my last role in my job, uh, learning all the new services, right? There is a lot. And then it gets overwhelming for um, mm-hmm. some people. 
on where do I start? What is my first step? Who's my first contact? Then actually picking up the phone and calling someone can be overwhelming mm-hmm. for some people. Mm-hmm. Telling your story and telling it. And, if you, and, and if you get a no, even, even if the no is because just not right now or we don't have room, you got to yeah. make that, you got to pick up the phone a second time. That's right. Make that call again, tell your story again. And so, you know, I'd say we're big fans of the warm handoff, being able to call ahead, make the connection, make sure someone knows, you know, you're going to get a phone call to try and support that process. Because I know how much it, it takes someone to pick up the phone and, and make those phone calls over and over. And you don't want them to lose momentum because they get a, a no the first yeah. time or a not right now. Or some, I think that's heartbreaking when you're at the point of being ready for support. So, and sometimes you don't even know what you're asking for. You, you you're you just don't even know where to start like the it just it seems so overwhelming so you know anything that's I think why the um, mental health project as we were envisioning it was was really exciting could we get some could we get some dollars in this corner of Medicine Hat and could we look at the geographical region and and um, this mental health pilot project is a partnership between OCJ and um uh, Prairie Rose School Division, us, and then Medicine Hat Catholic as well. So, so there will they will have access as well. So that's exciting. So that that takes in a whole region now, um, which which makes it exciting. Yeah, exciting. You know, and a little bit daunting because I just so could say a little work. overwhelming. It, from, yeah. it is, and, and and that's what we've heard. Like we, 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 you know, in the other episodes of this special release of this podcast series you'll you'll be introduced to the you know the coaches that are going to be in the schools and you know again like it is there's a lot of coverage and a lot of support and you know the the thing that we talk about often is well we will we'll figure it out we'll break down barriers we'll figure it out um some of us come from an oil and gas background where you know it's most of it's solution-based type thinking um we have you know amazing coaches that have years of recovery um one coach that doesn't have a substance use disorder, but her family did. So varying perspectives. And we've really brought a team together that uh, believes in this vision, believes in the mission and, you know, is going to put in as much effort to make sure that uh, we just are there when that phone mm-hmm. rings. Right. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, that window of willingness is only open so long. And if we don't get some support or somebody to just listen and, and, and be with us, then it's easy to close that say no forget it it doesn't mm-hmm. work i tried yeah. yeah i liked when rick talked about a smorgasbord when we were first pl- we were envisioning what this might look like in a smorgasbord of of people so to speak um with a variety of different experiences um yeah that would be able to connect with with potentially everybody right that wanted to reach out and connect i thought that was really cool i think that'll be the power in in the project is just the the choice and the variability and it um and it is daunting because I think it's we're we're trying to you know solve all the world's problems like you said, um, but it's it's just such important work. So I'm excited to do it. It's a bit like you know building a plane. I think while you're flying in the air, um, and we'll figure out where it needs to go because I, I think you're right. I think the kids are going to tell us what they need. Yeah. I think I think we're going to get in front of the adults first, and then when we get to the point of being able to share information with kids, I think they're going to tell us what they want to know about, what they're worried about, what what we what we need in our community. Um, they're going to help us design that as we go. I think that's what's really exciting. And Damien, you talked about you know your linear thinker. You see the beginning and you see the vision at the end, and and I. I pretty much see that too. And it, 
but the line, I know that for me, the line is never straight. It's just like, it's a squiggly line to get you to the end because it's, it's two steps forward and whoops, that didn't work. And then, and then, okay, let's rejig, let's move in this direction. Mm -hmm. And, and that flexibility is something that I really appreciate because I think when we can be flexible in our approach, when our approach isn't working, we can change it. We can, we can. Um, move it around and and sometimes for big agencies that's really difficult so you know some of our partners have really um solid mandates and they have to work between the lines and they can't they're not able to go left or right like we are and so I'm I like that flexibility in our plan and our thinking and and that's I felt really comfortable when um when I sat with you folks and and we could talk about, well, yeah, if that doesn't work, then we'll, you know, we're ready to move whichever way we need to. And and so that's great. Yeah. And I, and it's kind of in our name, you know, our collective journey. When I think about it, it's, we're not experts at much, <laughs> you know, but what we are experts in is listening to the needs of the people that are involved. So whether it's the students, the teachers, the parents, um, any idea we will listen to and we will attempt to work it into how we're supporting, you know, mm-hmm. the students in each school. Because I envision each school is going to have a little bit different or a unique, you know, outlook on how this is going to, you know, to mm-hmm. roll out. And we want the we want the parents involved. We want mm-hmm. the students involved. We want the teachers involved. Because again, it's a collective, and we're all on this individual journey of life. But if we could, you know get on the, the boat together and be yeah. paddling up the river as one, right. yeah. what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. And and so if you're listening to this and you have ideas or you have questions, you know, reach out to us at our collective journey.ca, reach out to us at our Facebook messenger, reach out to, you know, the administration's yeah. teams in your schools and, yeah. and they will connect you with us and, and we will work with anybody to come up with solution. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think when you talk about, you know, the world that you want to see your kids living in when they arrive in our school system, I think that world can be built now by the students who are currently with us, right? What did they want to see their community look like when they leave high school? What What's the school system they want to be part of? What's important for them to know to be successful adults? Um, our kids have tons of ideas if we just ask them. And they're, and they're smart so, little creatures. They mm-hmm. are. And there's so many leaders within our schools already who will be comfortable being a voice um, for their peers to say, here's what we need to know about, or here's what you guys are missing. Um, and they'll tell us if we just ask. And so I think this is an opportunity for them to write that with us and to say, here's what we need. And here's the world looks different for these kids moving into adulthood than it did for me leaving high school. And so what do you need to be successful out there? What information do you need to be armed with? What skills do you need to have um, to move through that? And I, I think if they co-create this with us, it'll be really powerful. Hundred percent. What legacy do they want to leave? Right. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I didn't think of that directly in high school, but I always it's always been there. I think it is there for lots of people. Mm-hmm. And what if you had people in your corner that were helping you create that on your terms? Mm-hmm. You know, and and with you as opposed to you trying to figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, any final thoughts? Not for me. Just excited to start the journey and see where this takes us and. Yeah, and I, I think anybody that has questions, you know, feel free to reach out to us in in the school division. And probably the best way is um, to reach out to the administration or or to contact me at division office um, would be just fine because I would like to hear what people are thinking. And 
Yeah, I agree. Just really excited to get things going and the response so far to having you in front of our administrative teams and uh, in schools over the last couple of weeks has been so, so positive. I think people are really ready for this. And I'm really excited when we get to the point of, you know, having you in front of students to be able to talk about um, addictions and those experiences and to have recovery coaches available. I think I think this is really exciting. And our our students, our staff, um, I hope our parents, I think our community is just is just ready for this. So I think this is great timing. Yeah, it definitely is exciting. We're getting a lot of um, emails already from the schools asking us to come to parent nights and spring wellness fair and all that stuff too. So it's not going to be just in classrooms and one-on-one, but parents can also come and learn more about us at those um, events going on coming soon. And we'd love to any opportunity, I think, to have families in our in yeah, our buildings. Yeah. I think we I think we all felt the loss of that during the pandemic of not having uh, families in our buildings. And so we'd welcome any questions, any input, um, come to parent nights yeah. or events happening in the schools where they might get a chance to to meet your team. We're really excited to work with your team. Amazing. I think uh yeah, we've uh, talked about the vision, the mission, and, you know, community-based solution. That's going to take all of us. And I, uh, from my perspective, if you would ask me, you know, two and a half years ago, if this is where we would be, I would say kind of, you know, I wanted to make a difference. I just didn't know what that looked like. And I think we're all very grateful that you guys see us as a uh, an asset, you know, that can just be a resource to you know, break down barriers to be there for just another human being and empower the leaders that are already doing amazing work to uh, just be, you know, to, to be with us, to, to work towards a better community. And, and that starts, you know, one student at a time. So um, with that, you know, this is a from darkness to life special podcast series uh, about the recovery coaching that's coming into the schools, whether it's school district 76, Prairie Rose, or, Catholic school division um, I think from all of us Rick Ryan myself and all the recovery coaches were extremely excited and honored to uh, to be able to collaborate with uh, to, with all the amazing people that are doing amazing work in our community so um, again our title sponsor is my amazing sister-in-law Nicole Davis uh, at uh, www.nicoledavisrealestate.com Nicole with an H um, yeah Miss Tracy Miss Claire Tara Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to share some information with our community. Thank you for having us. Awesome. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.